Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is made possible in part by Organic Valley, a farmer-owned cooperative producing local food with the future in mind since 1988. Learn more at organicvalley.com. Welcome to the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature. We are about to leave our children with a mess. We are about to leave our children with the responsibility to fix it. What we can do now is make an investment and be a catalyst to get the ball rolling so that our children will at least have a chance to turn this mess around. It's all alive. It's all connected. It's all intelligent. It's all relatives. We stand at the threshold of a historic opportunity in the human experiment to reimagine how to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. It's a revolution from the heart of nature and the human heart. In this series, The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, we celebrate social and scientific innovators with breakthrough solutions for restoring people and planet creating a future environment of hope. Everywhere you look, there's a monumental amount of work to be done to restore our failing natural and human systems. And everywhere around the globe, young people are unemployed at astonishingly high rates. Could we solve both our environmental and economic problems with one deft shift in perspective? What if we were to recognize this generation as a built-in job corps, ready to roll up its sleeves and dig into the work ahead? What if we view our entire labor force as a next generation coming of age in the emerging restoration economy? Call them Generation Green. They come in all ages and colors, and they're raring to make a living restoring the world. Join us for Generation Green, fulfilling the promise of jobs and justice with Apollo Alliance President Jerome Ringo and clean energy youth leader Billy Parrish. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. Our charge is to discover how to live here on Earth in a way that lasts. So says Jerome Ringo, past president of the Apollo Alliance, a broad-based coalition including labor focused on getting off fossil fuels and building a green economy. Because economic motives drive most environmental destruction, the first order of business is to incentivize business to make money by restoring the Earth. Ringo says it's time to call again on bold leadership by all Americans to create a far more secure country and world. In this case, national security will be based on creating environmental security. We put man on the moon in the 60s. The program was called Apollo. That is why the organization of which I head is called the Apollo Alliance, because we face our own moonshot mission today. And as President John F. Kennedy said in 1961, that man could be on the moon in 10 years. Well, America, we did not do it in 10. We did it in eight. And with that same passion 
and energy and commitment of the American people and public investment and public policy that put the eagle on the moon. We now have our own moonshot mission. And that mission is to clean up the environment. That mission is to stimulate the American economy and to declare energy independence so that we can get off of the oil barrel that we're being held over by foreign governments. No longer can it be an issue of red states or blue states. It must be an issue of red, white, and blue. But it must be an issue that is wrapped around the greatest opportunity for change that we have ever faced in our lives, and that is an opportunity to green America, to green America through manufacturing, but green America through a public policy that will help America get on its feet again. The new Apollo Alliance program that was birthed in 2003 talked about an American investment, an investment of about $500 billion over 10 years. That's about $50 billion a year. Boy, $50 billion sounds like a whole lot of money, and it is. But it doesn't sound like so much when you talk about investing 90-plus billion in bailing out AIG. Yeah. How about investing in America? How about investing in that steel worker who is out of work and who daily must stand at the gas pump and make a decision as to whether they purchase a gallon of gas or a gallon of milk? How about investing in that school teacher in California who is out of work because the state is in such financial trouble. How about investing into an America that has pride in building and manufacturing, who no longer has work because we have exported the jobs to other countries? How about investing in an America who can take the lead in research and development because we have the brilliant minds in our elementary, middle school, and high schools, and in American universities and community colleges. How about investing in those people that are the wind beneath the wings of this great country and put America back to work once again? Jerome Ringo brings a unique perspective to this work. He spent 22 years working inside the petrochemical industry, over half of those as a union leader. That experience in the heart of Louisiana's notorious Cancer Alley led him to a lifetime of environmental activism on behalf of those living dangerously close to the refinery fence line. He went on to become chairman of the National Wildlife Federation and subsequently directed the Apollo Alliance, on whose board he continues to serve. We must make sure that we develop a diversified energy portfolio. When Hurricane Katrina hit Louisiana in 2005, every oil rig on the Gulf of Mexico was shut down. One-third of the domestic oil supply was shut down. And you saw the result of the gas pump. Imagine if on that very day, 
if the Venezuelans and the Saudis and the Iraqis and the Iranians and the Russians and the West Indians, imagine if they would have decided to close the valves. America would have been brought to its knees. It is because we have been so one-dimensional with respect to our energy. We now must develop a diversified energy portfolio, but whatever is considered as part of that portfolio must be environmentally friendly. The reality that we live with is that we face a problem on the earth today unlike any that we have ever seen in the form of climate change. We face the reality of a melting ice cap at Kilimanjaro. We face the reality of a melting Greenland, a melting permafrost under the feet of the Gwich'in tribe in northern Alaska. We live in the reality that we are facing tough economic times, a time when jobs are being exported and energy is being imported. 70% of our fossil fuel energy we import from other countries. Not one of our transformers on our grid system is made in America. We live in the reality that we invented photovoltaic material in the United States, but now when we want to build a photovoltaic cell, more times than not, we must import the components. We live in a time when we make up 5% of the world's population, discharge 35% of the CO2 to the atmosphere and use 25% of the world's energy, yet we have still not ratified Kyoto. In the glaring absence of a coherent national energy and climate change policy, Jerome Ringo is dedicated to inspiring labor, business, environmental, and community leaders to work together to make change on the ground by building the green economy. He's a coalition builder, and so is Billy Parrish. Parrish provides a unique perspective on leading clean energy initiatives. As a student at Yale University, he organized a regional student climate conference, then started a new student climate organization. But once he learned that similar groups already existed, he knew he'd made a mistake. What was needed, he realized, was to bring existing groups together. With the blessing of professors, he took a semester off, and co-founded what became the largest youth climate energy advocacy organization in the world, the Energy Action Coalition. We've had huge success organizing campuses. We have helped to persuade 650 colleges to commit to becoming climate neutral, having no net carbon emissions, and to begin to make some of these shifts in how they invest their endowments. They have over $400 billion in investments that they can shift into more positive directions. They can shift the curriculum to train young people better. They can become engines of sustainability in their own local communities, helping their own broader community to make the transition to a more sustainable economy. You know, we've trained hundreds of thousands of young people in some of these sort of basic organizing, advocacy, education skills. Billy Parrish's semester off turned into eight years. He dropped out of Yale to work around the clock forming partnerships with community groups focused on greening the economy from the grassroots up. He began to understand the global implications for Generation Green. He learned that a billion people will enter the workforce in the next 10 years, but projected economic growth will leave 700 million of them without jobs. 
he recognized a ticking time bomb. What are these young people going to do? How are they going to feed themselves? How are they going to sustain themselves? The bottom line is that we need to figure out things for these young people to do, which really shouldn't be that hard because there is so much work that needs to be done. All of these young people want to do something about global warming and all these people coming back from, you know, the wars overseas, all of these people of color, low income people who have been locked out of economic opportunities and job opportunities for generations. Billy Parrish witnessed that Generation Green isn't being served by our educational system. A lot of people are getting ready to graduate, and I'm just I'm shocked with how unprepared young people feel to enter into this world and to find a job that gives them a chance to do something meaningful. You know, I think our education system, by and large, is still training people for the jobs of the 19th and 20th centuries and to have a mindset of the 19th and 20th centuries. I mean, I think that there are some really basic skills around applied empathy is something it's like, oh, wow, school could actually teach empathy, which I think is at the foundation of how we relate to each other. Understanding, feeling how other people feel is a critical, critical skill to be a human in this time. That's not something that we teach people how to make change, you know, how to feel empowered to start a community project, to see a homeless person on the street and have the confidence or the set of skills to think about how you deal with that situation, which is partly about empathy and partly about making change, change making systems thinking, you know, interdisciplinary education. How do these things connect, you know, service learning, really learning while you're doing something instead of abstractly, you know, spatial mapping. We should be teaching young people how to do Google Maps and, you know, all of these things. And just like really basic life skills about how to grow your own food, where your food comes from, where your energy comes from. All of these basic things, which it just to me is sort of shocking that they aren't at the center of the curriculum that we're teaching young people now. And there's a movement to change that. New programs or extracurricular things or teachers just beginning to build it in or charter schools. And there's a sort of movement from the bottom up to change the way we are teaching our, our young people, which to me is very, very hopeful. And that's part of why I dropped out of school because it was like, here we are at this critical turning point in human history and I can't even get into the required classes that I have to take, this microeconomics class that is just so divorced from what I felt I needed to be learning and doing at that moment in my life. And I think a lot more young people would finish school and, and be happy in school if it was even remotely tied to the lives that they're living. Billy Parrish invented a brand of student activism that employs the power of the university to create sustainable campuses across America. His efforts won recognition, including as a fellow of Ashoka, the prestigious network of the world's leading social entrepreneurs. Most recently, Parrish has been traveling the length and breadth of the United States and Canada, advocating for green jobs and interviewing young people for a book tentatively titled Make Money and Change the World. When we return, 
Billy Parrish mobilizes a clean energy corps, and Jerome Ringo challenges America to fulfill its promise of liberty and justice for all. This is Generation Green, fulfilling the promise of jobs and justice. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. You can download this and other Bioneers programs at the radio pages at Bioneers.org. Clean energy and green jobs advocate Jerome Ringo sees even deeper issues at play in the American transformation to a green economy. These are two of the most notorious third rails in American politics, race and class. We must begin with building a coalition a coalition of Americans that look like America. I joined the Louisiana Wildlife Federation in 1994 because I believed in Louisiana that in order for the poor and of color community to have a voice, we needed to engage with organized conservation. I had no idea when I joined that organization in 1994 and its 24,000 members that I was the only black member. And though that is quite shocking, today they have about 19,000 members, and today I am still the only black member. Well, you say shame on Louisiana, but I traveled to Florida and to California and to Washington and Illinois and Maine and North Carolina, and I found that there was a major lack of diversity in the conservation movement throughout this country. I'm the first person of color to head a major conservation organization in the history of this country. And that's a wonderful thing, but that's a very sad thing. Because the conservation movement is over 100 years old. And I sought to better understand why we are where we are with such lack of diversity and separation in the movement. I visited one day with a dear friend of mine by the name of Teddy Roosevelt IV. And Teddy shared with me that when his great-granddaddy was president, and back in 1936 when President Roosevelt founded the National Wildlife Federation, people that were conservationists were sportsmen. They were the ones that would go out and fish and hang the fish on the wall. Folks that were fishing to put a fish on a plate in southern Mississippi did not join clubs. (laughs) And they could not afford to anyway. And so the movement evolved as a predominantly white male movement. And as we evolved into the 60s and the 70s, the movement continued to be segregated because poor people were more concerned about next month's rent than the demise of the polar bear or depletion of the ozone layer. But now we live in a time that we all drink the water, And we all breathe the air, and we all must be involved. Even though people of color and poor people suffer the greatest disproportionate impact 
of poor environmental practices. Two out of three African Americans live within the same zip code of a landfill. If you want to find a black neighborhood, you find a railroad track. If you want to find a sewage treatment plant, you find a Hispanic neighborhood. And initially, I thought it was an issue of race. But as I traveled to the Texas-Mexican border, and I saw that the people that suffered the greatest exploitation were poor and brown, and I traveled to urban communities like Los Angeles and Chicago, Detroit, People in the urban communities that were adversely impacted by poor environmental practices were poor and black. But I made a trip to West Virginia, coal mining country, where they were stripping the mountains like they were shaving a face. And the people that were adversely impacted were poor and white. And I came to the realization that the issue was not solely an issue of color but an issue of economics. And it is the time that we must now push a public policy that demands equity, but we must also push a public policy that is going to demand that America as a whole, America as a nation, be put back to work again. A coalition of Americans that looks like America a movement that weaves equity and economic justice into a trellis on which to grow the green economy. Jerome Ringo's vision is increasingly being affirmed by facts on the ground and by growing numbers of improbable advocates. Again, Billy Parrish. The Secretary of the Navy recently made this kind of mind-blowing speech about the goals that they're setting, about wanting to get to 50% clean energy by 2020, over all of their ships and planes and cars and their bases and everything moving to 50% renewable energy in 10 years is a pretty dramatic leap. What I think is really exciting is all of the opportunities that this moment presents, that actually many of the systems that we rely on for food, for energy, for housing, for health, for education, they aren't doing a very good job. So to me, there are just huge opportunities in this transition for people to both make money and to change the world, to develop and bring to scale new technologies in every community, in every one of these sectors. So whether it's working with other people in your community to start a clean energy cooperative where you sort of pool financing and put up solar panels in your neighborhood or to figure out a better way to to get healthier local food to schools or to different communities. There are just so many opportunities at this moment to both do good for yourself and do good for the world. You know, anybody who's interested can do it. It's both a crisis and an opportunity moment, whether we're going to be a species of locusts where, you know, all of our work ends up being a curse for the rest of creation, or honeybees, where, you know, our natural drive to be productive ends up being a blessing for the rest of creation. Both Billy Parrish and Jerome Ringo see Generation Green ready to marry ecology and economy into a truly green economy, where all jobs become green jobs. This is the beginning of creating that generation 
and preparing that generation that is yet unborn for what we are about to leave them. We are about to leave our children with a mess. And we are about to leave our children with the responsibility to fix it. What we can do now is make an investment. An investment and be a catalyst to get the ball rolling so that our children will at least have a chance to turn this mess around. I want to challenge each and every one of you with respect to the new green economy and surely with respect to the challenges that we face in the area of climate change, unemployment is on the rise, the economy is floundering, the environment is collapsing, we still have not ratified a Kyoto, we should be the leader in that arena. Why and how did we let this happen? And if you today do not have an answer for your grandkids or your kids. Make a personal commitment that I am going to use every bit of the passion that is within me and the energy that abounds me to make sure that when my child or grandchild asks me that question, that I can give them an answer that I can be proud of. This is our moonshot moment. This is our opportunity to announce to the world that the eagle has landed. Thank you very much. Jerome Ringo and Billy Parrish, helping catalyze Generation Green, working to secure a green future for all generations to come. Generation Green, fulfilling the promise of jobs and justice. Downloads of this program and many other Bioneers radio shows are available on the radio pages at Bioneers.org or by calling 1-877-BIONEER. That's 1-877-246-6337. Visit Bioneers.org where you can learn how to attend the annual October Bioneers National Conference and local beaming Bioneers conferences. Purchase the radio series, conference CDs and DVDs, and Bioneers books. Join the thriving online Bioneers community and become a Bioneers member or make a donation. All at Bioneers.org or by calling 1-877-BIONEER. The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Ausubel. Written by Catherine Stifter and Kenny Ausubel. Senior producer, Neil Harvey. Managing producer, Stephanie Welch. Production management, Aaron Leventman and Chuck Castleberry. Station relations by Creative PR. Distribution is by WFMT Radio Network. Original recordings provided by Focus Audiovisual. Interview recording engineer, Jeff Westman. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Rykodisc label. Additional music was made available by Acoustic Music Records at www.acoustic-music.de. For more music information, please visit Bioneers.org. 
The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. This is program number 0610. Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is made possible in part by Organic Valley, a farmer-owned cooperative producing local food with the future in mind since 1988. Learn more at organicvalley.com.